Um, and so the, the series is going to be kind of looking, looking at the heart behind that prayer because the prayer is actually um, built on, on largely Acts, um, the beginning of Acts of the formation of the church. And so um, it's kind of a prayer built on a scripture, built on how God builds his church. Uh, so, so I, I want to kind of take a few weeks and really, really dive into this, this idea of being devoted and kind of, um, we'll be studying scripture, but I want to, I want to show you in this, this prayer since it's hanging on our wall and, and the purpose of it being there is to remind us. Um, but it's hard for something to remind you of something until you've been told that something. So these next couple of weeks is us talking about it. So we have something to remember. <laughs> um, and so we're going to go through that and, and really kind of look at what, what um, how that prayer is, is really a, reflect, a reflection of, of the Lord's invitation to us and what he wants to build us into as his church. Amen. All right. So um, I'm just going to jump right into it. So the, the prayer, the first stanza of that prayer out there just starts like this, says simply, thank you. Thank you for your love and sacrifice by which you made us a part of your family. Um, church can be a lot of things, and above all, our, our, our heart here is we feel like we are called to be a family. There's, there's lots of different dynamics, um, different kind of, I don't say feels, but different uh, ways churches can, can primarily identify themselves. And, and um, we believe here that, that, that God has called us to be a family. A family with Jesus at the head where, and I'll jump back into the prayer, where you save us, you forgive us, you heal us, you guide us, you comfort us and strengthen us. May our response to this great love be nothing less than our whole lives, and here's, here's where we get, the, where we get the, uh, the series title, fully devoted to your presence, your people, and your purpose. So if we, if we have a mission statement right now, that is it. That, that we be fully devoted to his presence, his people, and his purpose. And so we're going to unpack that in the next couple of weeks. Today, I just want to take a few minutes and focus on um, that first idea of being devoted to his presence. Um, before we get into what his... What we, his presence, let's just, I want to mention for a minute what we're talking about when we say devoted, right? This is a, a, a word, we, we all have heard it, it's a familiar word, but we don't use it a ton, right? We don't, it, it's, not, it, it's not something that just we use every day, I don't think. Um, <laughs> kind of, I don't know about you, when I hear the word devoted and I think, where do I see that the most? Unfortunately, it's where do you think, when you think of the word devoted, where do you see that word written the most? It's okay, you can say something. Sports? Marriage? Marriage. Yeah, when I, when, I, when I see it, I think, of, I think of the graveyard. Because you see it on tombstones a lot. If you walk through a graveyard, you will regularly see on, a to, on tombstones, you know, devoted husband, devoted wife and mother, devoted son. Um... And I think it's interesting that that is, that, that, that of all the words that, that you, can, you can have or you could choose, that in that moment, that that is such a popular word. 
And I think it's important. I think it, it speaks to the importance and the power of the phrase. I think it's one of the reasons we don't use it a lot in, in everyday, um, everyday language because it's, it's rare. It's rare devotion, true devotion. We, we rarely see it. We, we, we rarely uh, claim it for ourselves. Why? Because we understand, I think, um, how, how, how consuming being devoted to something is. See, devotion is, is it's, it's kind of got, the way I understand it, it's got kind of two sides to it. There's, there's, the, there's the intensity side of it. Or if you're devoted to something, you are, you, you are all in on that thing. It is, it is of utmost importance and priority in your life. It, it, is, it, it, ha- it comes before everything else, right? There's an intensity to it and an attention to it. Um, an amount, amount of effort and, and, and resources you pour into that thing. But there's this whole other side of it. There's, there's the, the intensity, but there's also the, the longevity. You know, you, you, you can't really be devoted to something like for a day. You know, or, or, or an hour a day. If you're truly devoted to something, it's both intense priority, but it's intense priority over a long period of time. And so when we, if we're going to talk about being fully devoted to, to God, fully devoted to these things, we first have to understand and really think, I want us to, when we see that word, to understand what it is we're shooting for. That it is, it is more than just um, being good at church. It, it's more than just... Um, Making sure that it's on our that God is on our calendar, that these things are 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 just important to us, but that it is going to take. If we're going to say, if we're going to aspire, if we're going to accomplish being devoted to these things, it will take nothing less than a whole lot of work for a whole lot of time. And and we we as a people need to learn. I think. Um, Learn to embrace and to some, to some uh, degree, learn to appreciate or, or love. In sports, they call it the grind, right? And, and the, the truly great athletes and, and sports, they learn to love practice because it's fun. No, because it's, uh, you know, it's exciting. Absolutely not. Because they learn to love it because they, they understand what it produces, And so our, our, our devotion has to, has to mimic that, that we, we have to learn to embrace the fact that this is going to be hard and learn to love the fact that it's going to be hard and it's going to take effort and it's going to take a long time. We live in a, we live in a culture that you only take as long to do something as you can be forced to take, Right? <laughs> We have, we have very little, appreciate, little appreciation for taking a long time for anything. It's, it's almost a, it's like a, time is a necessary evil in any event that we do, right? The, the goal of every, almost everything we do is to do it a, a, as fast as we can. 
That's why we invented microwaves. We, we you know, we, <laughs> we went from, humanity has gone from, from sundials to stopwatches. Right? I mean, this is, we keep inventing ways to measure speed, measure time in smaller and smaller increments because we're just trying to squeeze every last little, little, literally nanoseconds now. We have machines in this build. So our, our sound system, there are things in our, our, our sound system, like when you're dialing in, um, some of the effects, the, the delays, and, and sort of that, that kind of thing, and the audio system when you're trying to sync up the audio and the video. That we have dials in there that are, that are nanoseconds, that you, you literally are, are, are taking it, we're taking it just one, like one one-hundredth of a second, more or less, in the delay and in the pattern, so things line up. That's how much control we seek to have over, over time. But devotion isn't about making things fast. It's about understanding that it's worth a lot of time. We want to be devoted. And this first phrase I mentioned today we're going to talk about is is being devoted to, to his presence the presence of God. What is, what is the presence of God? What do we mean by that? Is, you, know, you might be saying, well, God, isn't God everywhere? Well, yes, that is absolutely true. God, God is everywhere. And not only is he everywhere, he's every when. I'm not really going to go into that because that will really, it just makes my head hurt if I think about it for more than a few seconds. And not only is God everywhere and he's every when, all of God is everywhere and every when. So then, it kind of begs this question, what, what are we, when we talk about God's presence, and there's, there have been, sadly, because we like to argue as, as people and especially as Christians, there have been... Um, there have been academic and holy wars argued over what this phrase and this concept of God's presence since ever, <laughs> like since the beginning. We have been, we have been arguing because it is such, it, we're trying to wrap our little finite minds around God, all right? How many know that at the end of the day, this is a futile task, Right, So we all need to approach this subject with a little, uh, well, with a lot, really, of humility. My, my goal here is not to, to help, us def- help you define exactly what is and is not God's presence. Uh, today, I just want us to talk a little bit about um, understanding that, that, that there are some dynamics to it. Um, that there is a reality that, that all of God is everywhere all the time. Um, but when we talk about his, his presence, a lot of the times we, we're talking about something more than just that fact. Um, Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Um, some other translations you, you may, may be more familiar with, with this verse, it talks about, you know, in his presence is fullness of joy, 
right? We understand that. We believe that, that to be in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. So, so does that mean that if I don't have the fullness of his joy in a moment, I'm not in God's presence? No. No, because there's other scriptures. Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There's never a moment. The psalmist talks about how, where can, you know, he, he has a whole, writes a whole song about how he, you know, he can't quit God. Like, it doesn't matter where he goes. I can go up to the mountain and down to the, the depths and hide in a rock or go in the sea. It doesn't matter. You, 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 you're there. Everywhere I go, you're there. So how can these two things be true? And my answer to you is, I don't know. I have a word I can give you. It's not really going to help, to be honest, but it's called a paradox. It's the word they give. <laughs> and now, now you should feel better because you have a word. Some, sometimes just having a word to call something for some reason makes us feel better about it. It doesn't help us understand it anymore. It doesn't help us deal with it any differently. But I have a word. Now I feel good. That's why we have, um, that's why every day there's like 17 new diseases out there, right? Because sometimes it's just, Having, the name, having a name for something makes us feel better. And so they're, they're more than happy to come up with a name and a pill for whatever it is that you're um, feeling bad about. <laughs> but it's this idea, it's a paradox. It's two conflicting concepts, two uh, seemingly uh, opposite truths that are, in fact, both true. That's, that's, that's what a paradox is. And when we talk about God's presence, there, there is a tension there. And it, we have to understand and learn to embrace that tension or we're going to sh- really struggle um, with pursuing God's presence. It's one of the things that hinders us because if we don't accept the fact that there is a tension, that there are some things that, we just, that are beyond our, our, our capacity, um, we're going to end up coming up with some different explanations for why things happen or why things, we're experiencing things the way that we are. If we, if we don't accept and embrace that there is a tension, then the pain you feel will always keep you convinced that the presence of God is not available to you. And I'm here to tell you that that is not true. Your pain and God's presence can coexist. Now, it's not, it's not fun to accept because it's, it's a lot neater in my mind to, to think, well, I, I, if, I could just, if God just shows up, then all the pain goes away. And that is his heart. And he will move that way, and we can expect that in time and in, in his sovereignty. But we can't let, but if we, if we make hard lines, if we, if we create this black and white idea, then we'll never see his presence overtake the pain because we'll never acknowledge that his presence is there until the pain is gone. But the pain's not going to leave until we acknowledge his presence. It becomes this vicious cycle. your head hurt yet? Mine does. 
Um, Devoted to his presence. And then, the, the, so if we jump back into this prayer for a second, um, the second stanza is kind of, of the prayer is, is each of the next three stanzas is kind of focused on one of those areas. So we're just going to read the next stanza, and that's all the, for the, the prayer we're going to look at today. But it says, may we be devoted to your presence in all its forms, the presence of your, your beautiful word as we meditate and breathe in scripture, when we are alone and when we are together. May we meet you in the secret place of our prayer closets and the sacred place of our assemblies. That that gives us a good, that second stanza is kind of a good um, kind of general idea of the, the avenues that we pursue his presence, right? His word, scripture, worship, prayer, together and alone. Kind of two different, you know, where do we do it? When we're together and when we're by ourselves. What do we do? Prayer and worship, scripture. Um, these, are, these are some of the gifts that he has given us to pursue his presence. His word in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, uh, familiar passage, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than to, uh, the sharpest two-edged sword. It, sh- it cuts between soul and spirit joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one to whom we are all accountable. God has given us this amazing gift, this, this book, actually all a bunch of books. We just put them all together, right? Um, his scripture to, that, that doesn't, it, it's not like any other book. It is, the, it is the word of God. We don't just read it. When we read it with faith and when we read it um, with understanding and with, with right hearts, it reads us back. It exposes, it reveals ourselves, it reveals God. It directs us, it challenges us. And so being devoted to his presence, a part of being devoted to his presence is being devoted to his word. You can't have one without the other. Right? It's like, it's like being devoted to your kids. You know? I'm devoted to my kids. I just don't play with them. No, you're not. That's what kids want to do. <laughs> That's how we connect with them. That's how they ex- receive your love. That's how they, they learn. And so if you're, you're going to take that part off the table, you are going to miss being devoted to them. We, we are going to miss being devoted to God if we are not devoted to his word. And it's, it, it's hard. Some, and each of us have strengths and weaknesses. There's going to be... Um, Certain ways of, of pursuing God's presence and pursuing Jesus and that, that come easier to some than others. And that's okay. That's okay. There, there are some that, that um, will find very easy joy in, in, pers- in reading Scripture and studying and, and pursuing God in, in the Word. Um, and there are some that won't. It, 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 it won't. 
Not that it won't be effective or that you can't get enjoyment out of it or it won't be meaningful, but it will take and require more effort. You know? And it may look different than somebody else. You know, God gives us gifts, and, and one of the, some of the gifts he gives us is the ability to, to dive into to his to Scripture. And some of us, he has made some of us really good students, right? And some of us, not so much. <laughs> I'm going to say, that's okay. That's okay. And both sides need to hear that, Right? There are some that could spend all day reading two verses, digging into the Greek, the Hebrew. They're calling up the, the, the professors. They've got all the little scriptures up. They've got 17 of the giant books out. And they can tell you, you know, the, the, the seven most common doctrinal thesis papers on, on this one verse and, and talk about, you know, all the, the, the cultural context behind it and all this and, and, and all the, they can, they can write it out in Hebrew and they can tell you why, why the characters mean what they mean and all this stuff. And there's others of us that are just like, it says Jesus loves me. Like, is that... But listen, here's the difference. If you read Jesus loves you and you connect with it and you receive it, if you do all this digging and it's still just information, eh, sorry. The point is devotion. The point is, the point is it's the word of God getting to us. And some of us, God has given us minds and appetites to do digging. And that is phenomenal. That is great. Don't judge somebody else. Matter of fact, you could maybe be a little jealous of the person that can just read it for face value and doesn't have to spend three hours digging into the root gospel of the, of the, the translation of the participle. They can just read... They can just read, faith. Live, uh, we live by faith, and God loves us, and okay, good. And they're on their way, right? These are good things. And if you're a, if you're, if you're a, a more, more on the surface, face value, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. Um, digging into the word. Don't be threatened by the people that love, love to dig. Don't be threatened by them. Don't be jealous of them. Listen, God, God, the word of God, I say this a lot. The word of God's an onion, right? There are layers and you can go deep and you can go deep and you can go deep and you can go deep. But you know what? The middle layer and the top layer, it's the same thing. There's no spoiler. There's no secret thing inside. There's nothing you're going to find going into the, the ancient Hebrew, the, the original text. There's no new information in there you're going to find. God still created all of us. Jesus is still God. He died for your sins. One day he's coming back to wrap all this up. We get to go spend eternity with him. He loves us. We're called to love each other. That's not changing it. I don't care how much. If it ever does, you're reading it wrong. Right? Like that's the, that, is, that is what we're all, we're all going to continue to see that same, that same message. So let's, let's not worry about how deep we have to go 
and just commit and understand that we have to devote ourselves to his word. So we devote ourselves to his word. Um, another gift he gives us is, is his worship and prayer. I, I group these together because it's really hard to, for me to separate those two. I mean, what we did this morning was we had a prayer meeting, a praise session. We just did it with a tune, right? <laughs> like that's, that's what worship, that's what worship sh- at least should be. It's, and it's, it's helpful for us to understand that, that that is, that is its intent. It's to help unify us so that we, you know, we, can, we are corporately praying to God and corporately interceding and corporately praising his name. But it, at the end of the day, it's just prayer set the music. It's not some other separate thing, which is really good news for some who maybe, you know, pitch is not your, 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 your strongest thing. Um, you know, if music is not your gift, if that's not, it's okay. That's okay. You don't, it, it's not some separate part of, 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 you know, access to God. If you, if you're not, if music, some people, some people music is not particularly uh, stirring to them. Um, some people just, they can't engage with it, whether because they can't sing or, or whatever. Um, that's okay. It's, it's prayer. You're not, you're not missing some third thing. Um, but we need to devote ourselves to this prayer and, and worship. Jesus models this. We, we, we know this. We see this. If you know Jesus' story, you know regularly um, Jesus would w- withdraw from, from the ministry and the mission that he was on, from his friends, from everything, just so he could spend private time, extended time alone in prayer. It's an important agenda item. We have to devote ourselves to it. Paul tells the churches regularly over and over again in the the epistles, pray continually, pray without ceasing, pray for each other, pray for the government, pray for yourself, pray for, pray, 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 pray. If we're going to be devoted to his presence, we have to be devoted to prayer and worship. And it's a both and. Like I said, you may, you may have an affinity or a, a bent towards one or the other, just like some, you may, you're probably either left-handed or right-handed, right? That's, that's fine. God created us that way. And it's okay to lean a little heavy on, on the, the gift, that, the, the love gift that God has given you, but that doesn't mean you have to, you just don't use your other hand ever. Right? <laughs> you still need two hands to pick up a box. It's important that we, we are intentional and are devoted to both, individually and corporately. And it's important that we understand that we, we have to pursue and we have to be devoted to him in these ways, both individually and corporately. That there, is, there are things, there is a devotion um, that happens when you are by yourself in prayer, in worship, and study of the word that cannot and will not happen ever when we're together. Right? There's something, there's an intimacy, there is a, a, a power 
When, when you are reading scripture and God illuminates something to your heart by yourself and there was no third party other than his spirit that, that changes you in a way that me saying that same truth is never going to do. All right? There is a, there is a, I think God has a, a, a special, a soft heart for us um, when we take time and we devote to praise and worship at a time that is not necessarily convenient, like it's our free time. We give to him and nobody else is around. It's something that we set in our schedule and we did it and no one else is around. No one else knows. No one else looks. There's something special about that. There's something powerful about that. Because true devotion happens regardless of circumstances, whether we're with people or not. Um, the flip side of that's true too. There's certain things in prayer and worship that will only happen in a corporate setting. And by corporate, I don't, I don't just mean like the, the, the Sunday morning service. I mean, I mean a group of believers getting together. In fact, there's, there's like different, like this is a, a group dynamic but there's not a lot of, like, I'm, you guys are just patiently listening to me babble. This is not, you're not having a conversation with each other. Um, but this is, there is something that, that uh, the Word of God is very clear that he likes to use his people to minister to his people. There are some things that you will only touch God's heart and you will only receive from God when you're by yourself. But there's also some stuff that, he's, that for a myriad of reasons, he's going, I've got this amazing gift for you. All you have to do is be willing to talk to some, to, to, to reach out to another believer. And I want to use them to, to, to deliver that gift to you. The... The epistles, a lot of the times, we tend to claim a lot of the promises or believe that a lot of the promises, the instructions, the things in the New Testament that Paul writes about, um, because he uses the, 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 uh, the pronoun you for everything, um, there, there's a lot of the, the New Testament that, that we read and we go, oh, that's, that's for me. You do this. You confess your sins. Right? You, you pray. You whatever. And these are, we, we read that because, you know, we, in the way we understand English, <laughs> you means me. Problem is, that's not really the right translation. I keep campaigning. We need a southern version of the Bible. Because it should be y'all. What Paul's really saying is, y'all confess your sins. Y'all pray. Y'all ask the Lord for, for, for healing. He's saying it's a, it's, a, it's a group activity. We need everybody involved. It, it, you know, con confession, we talk about repentance and confession. It, it's, I think we all at least understand that how important that is and it needs to be a regular part of our life. But in the New Testament, the way we tend to think of repentance is 
I go in my closet by myself into my quiet time. I write out my list. I pray to God. I say, you know, God, forgive me of this, that, and the other. And it's not that God doesn't receive that, but that was the, new, the early church. Like, if you would explain that part, that, like, version of repentance to them, they would have been like, well, that, a lot of them would go, that just doesn't count. Because there was nobody else involved. Because regularly in the, in the New Testament, when it talks about confession, it's, it's assumed that you are confessing to somebody, not just God. Why? I don't know. That's just the way the Lord really wants us to confess to each other. I really wish that was different. I really do. Because it's, I, I, I mean, who likes, who likes, None of us like admitting our, our faults, our mistakes. That's, that's scary stuff. It's, it's, it's being vulnerable. But there's, there's a power in it. Because that's, I think the, way, the reason the Lord says set it up that way is because it gives that other person an opportunity to speak back to you the truth and the heart of Jesus that you probably in that, in that moment wouldn't necessarily have the faith or the, the perspective to say to yourself in a meaningful way. You know, when I, I don't know about you, but when, when, I'm, when I'm confessing something before the Lord, um, my... I, my tendency is to treat it a lot like when you, when, you know, when you, like if, if, you know, if you're married and you confess something to your, to your spouse, there's, there's, a, there's restoration there, but there's still this, there tends to be this like, if it's a serious, more serious thing, you know, there's this lingering um, sense on my part of, okay, I, I, I I repented, I said I'm sorry, I made restoration. Now, I, now there's like a waiting period. I have to like be really good and really contrite for a certain amount of time um, before I, f- and it's not because, like, it's not because Shannon is demanding that of me, it's because I feel like I still have to, I, there's still a, like a waiting period that I have to like prove that I meant it before I can trust or I, I have confidence that she could receive and, and fully forgive me for whatever stupid thing I did, right? But when we, when we confess, when we allow uh, uh, God to minister through somebody else to us, when we, when we confess or just admit, it's not even a sin thing necessarily. It may just be a, a need we have. Um, that person can, can speak to us the truth of what God wants to say and speed the process up. Because they can encourage us to say, no, you... They can remind us of the truth of Scripture that if we confess our sins, um, he is faithful and just to forgive us, that he does love us. So we need both alone and together. i got to keep going. Um, so devotion. It, it, we have to pursue this devotion of his presence. We have to be devoted to it in all these ways. Um, but there's one key I want to talk about uh, just in our last few minutes together um, that, that I think more than anything affects 
how much we pursue God's presence. And it's, it's not doctrinal. It's not, um, it's not, I don't, it's not functional. It's not schedules. It's not any of that. It's more of a, a mindset. And it's this, that our devotion must be understood always as a response to God's devotion to us. Let me say that again. Our devotion must be understood as a response to God's devotion to us. We see this, you know, we've been talking about a lot about Scripture today. You see it throughout the Bible. It starts in the garden where, where God creates this whole thing for the express purpose of having relationship and walking in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve. In the Old Testament, we get this beautiful picture of the covenant that, that God makes with, uh, with Abraham and Moses and the people of Israel, where he, he, he basically comes into an agreement with them that he's going to be their God and they're going to do some things and they're going to all connect and work together. And they that back then they would signify the, uh, the brokerage of a peace treaty or a deal um, by, they called it cutting covenant. And so they cut a bull in half and they'd lay the halves down and the two parties would walk between the cow, really gross. Um, but it was, a, it was a symbol that basically uh, meant that if either of us break This covenant, this agreement that we've made today, may what happened to this bull happen to me. But here's the crazy thing. When when God cut his covenant with with Israel, only God made the trip. Because he knew Israel, he knew you, he knew me. We were never going to be able to hold up our end of the bargain. He was so devoted to seeing this peace treaty between God and man happen that he said, fine, I'll take both sides. We see it with Jesus, his life on earth. He comes to, to, as if coming and becoming human and being stuck in one of these ridiculous skin suits for 30 years wouldn't have been embarrassing enough for the God of the universe. While he's on this this mission to save all of humanity, he still can't help himself and devote specific time, specific moments to really insignificant people. At times, it even worked against his bigger interests. Right? The... How many times did God, Jesus, heal somebody and then he goes, now just please, just shh, don't tell anybody. You know, he, he, he called and he welcomed children to come and spend time with him. He had no, there was no payoff for him to do that. devoted to people (laughs) because he loved them. The countless people he healed while he was here on earth that we we, we don't have any record of. 
right? There's many times in, in the New Testament where it just says he went here and everybody got healed, right? That, the, those things, those moments happen purely out of his devotion and compassion for the people there, not because he had some great agenda he was trying to accomplish in that moment. Our devotion and pursuit of God's presence has to come out of a deep conviction of his preemptive pursuit, pursuit of us. understand God's pursuit of us, if we don't believe that he's the initiator, that he's the author and perfecter of our faith, that he is our great, great love, two things will happen. Either one, our devotion will be one of, of fearful rule, rule following. struggle with anger because the motivation of the, of, of the pursuit will be misunderstood. What do I mean by that? Um, it's going to sound weird, but there's a very fine line between romantic gestures and stalking. <laughs> Think about it. Somebody leaves a note on your car. Somebody shows up at your work all the time, <laughs> knows all about you, every little detail. Those, those things on, in one scenario are, are cute, are, are, will melt your heart right? <laughs> or, oh, look at that. You're, you know, if you're a girl, your girlfriend's jealous because the guy's all oh, so wonderful. On the other hand, right? 911. <laughs> I've got a stalker. What's the difference? Well, it's two things. Your attitude about that person, do you think they're cute or not? and your belief in their intent for your life. Yeah. Right? If it's someone that you trust, that you know loves you, it's a welcome, warming act of love. If it's someone you don't know or someone you know and don't trust, it's a cause for concern to raise your defenses, to run away, and that may sound silly or extreme, but I think it's more it's more common than than we recognize that we 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 misunderstand God's pursuit. We think He's coming after us with bad intentions. We think he's coming after us with judgment. We think he's coming after us to, to you know, make us pay the piper for that thing we did last week or, or just that thing that we know deep down or we believe we are. And so if we're gonna pursue God's presence, I just felt today 
the, 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 for our ministry time, I just wanted, I felt like the Lord wanted us to just spend a moment hearing and receiving the simple, preemptive reality that Jesus loves you. His pursuit of you is nothing short of his passion for you, his devotion for you. That he is a good father. He's a good friend. And God wants our reaction. Anytime we, we get an inkling that we sense his presence or we, we, we sense his, his, his footsteps or that God's getting involved, he wants our hearts to be in a position that our immediate reaction is one of relief, not fear. Oh good, help is on its way. Even if, even if the moment that we're in, our hand is in the cookie jar. Right? We've all had those moments. <laughs> You're doing something you know you shouldn't. God wants to, wants to create, a, 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 convince us wants us to know that he is so devoted to us that there is no situation that we will ever find ourselves in that we shouldn't welcome his presence because it will always make the situation better. 